the new year. It's always a time for resolutions and new beginnings. But if you're to really seriously, as a Christian, pray for a few things for the new year, just exactly what would they be? We'll focus on a few priorities for the Christian out of Colossians chapter 1, coming up next on this edition of Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse. A better diet, lose a few pounds, maybe make some more money. These are usually New Year's resolutions that we see all over the place, maybe even quit smoking or some other vice. But here in Colossians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul has a prayer that we do well to model our life after, especially here in the new year. Welcome to Graceful Truth, the ministry of Grace Bible Church in Redwood City with our teacher and pastor Steve Converse. We're taking a look at a model prayer for the new year. A prayer for the new year series is taken from Colossians chapter 1, and today we want to focus on the walk, the work, the endurance, and the enjoyment that we as Christians should be praying for if we long for a prosperous new year. Won't you join us for an encouraging look at a marvelous prayer to pray for the new year? Here's Pastor Steve Converse with this edition of Graceful Truth. He opens this little book in Colossians chapter 1 with a a prayer. I thought it would be a, a good prayer for the new year for us as a body. Follow along as I read the first 11 verses of Colossians chapter 1. You can follow along in your Bible. Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. Grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and growing, as it is also also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And so, verse 9, from the day we heard it, we have not ceased to pray for you asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as you walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will today. Tell him that you're willing to go wherever you, you know, God, whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go. Surrender your time, your talents, your treasure to him today. Don't hold anything back in 2012. And you watch in 2013, I'll ask you the same question. Are you the same person? And you will answer 
wholeheartedly no. Because I lived totally for God in 2012. Don't hold anything back. Just have a mindset. You know what? My life belongs to God this year. Give it back to him. And watch him use you to do his will. If you're going to do the will of God this year, you're going to have to know what it is. And God will tell you through his word. Um, Paul prayed for this church that they would, what? That they would be able to understand it. That they would be able to perceive the will of God. Remember Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. You get those six or seven things out of the way. (laughs) Basically, the Bible tells you you can do whatever you want. Do whatever you like to do. And you'll be within the will of God. Well, he not only prays for them to understand the will of God, but he also prays for them to understand the word of God. He says there, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Walk just means the way you live your life. Fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. I mean... I can't even begin to tell you how important it is to get into the Word of God. To get into the Bible. That's where he, this truth is going to come from. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. You may just be learning how to read. Read the Bible. I mean, it's the instruction book for all of life. And it's God's Word to us. Maybe your friends... They've all turned their back on God, on the church. Don't go there. Maybe they think the books, the Bible's a book of fairy tales. It doesn't really matter. Read your Bible. It's going to get you through those years of doubt. Those years when you want to run away from God and from the home and from the church and everything that's decent and moral. Maybe you're a little older and you're you're alone. It might not be popular to stand for the Lord. It may not be popular to stand for God. But he will give you the wisdom above your years. And he'll lead you into a life of significance if you just allow him to do it. Maybe you're in your 30s and 40s and you have family and kids and all that. I mean, believe me, the word of God has a lot to say about that. It's going to help you through those times when you need that encouragement, you need that inspiration to do the right thing as a father or mother in your family. And remember, your children are watching you too. Where does the Word of God come in its place in your life? Is it an afterthought? Is it a book that goes to church on Sunday and sits on the shelf the rest of the week till you get it off the next Sunday? Or is it something that you are constantly studying and Desiring to know more about God. Don't ever, don't ever turn away from the Word of God. Even if you're older, it has, I mean, boy, if I was older, I'd be reading about heaven. You know, I mean, the hope of heaven and and all that it, 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 looking forward to that. Leave that legacy of godliness to your grandkids. They see you reading and, and understanding the Word of God. Pass that passion for the Bible and for the Word of God onto your kids. See, Paul prayed that this church, that they would be able to understand 
or perceive not only the will of God, but the word of God. And both of those things are important. He also prayed in verse 10 for prosperity. He says, as you walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. And then he says this, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Paul here, once again, he prays for prosperity in two areas. First of all, their walk. He says, so as to walk in a manner worthy, the way you live your life, is it fully pleasing to God? Not just pleasing to God sometimes. See, this comes back to the idea of, you know what, I'm going to live for him full bore. All or nothing. Paul prayed that the believers at Colossae, this church, this small little church here, would be prosperous in their walk with the Lord. I pray that as we begin 2012 together, that our walk in the Lord would be prosperous. That we'd walk in a manner worthy of God, fully pleasing to Him. I'm not going to be praying for you to make a million bucks or to stockpile a bunch of things in your garage that simply is going to rust and decay one day. I'm going to be praying for you to prosper in your spiritual life. That you would grow, that you would not be the same person spiritually a year from now that you are today. I'm praying that you will be, that we will be, the best example of what a believer in Christ should be. If we do that, then I I really believe that God will answer that prayer. We will be prosperous. Paul prayed that they might be prosperous in their walk, but he also prayed that they'd be prosperous in their work. He says, bearing fruit in every good work. That's a good prayer, isn't it? I mean, wouldn't you want to bear fruit in every good work that you do? As you serve God this coming year in 2012, I pray that the work that we do for Jesus Christ will produce more fruit than it ever has before. 1 Corinthians, Paul writes this in chapter 15, verse 58. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. He says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, look at what he says. He says, Be steadfast, be immovable, Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Have you ever done something, whether it's a project or a job or whatever, and you just feel like, this is useless. Why am I doing this? It's not accomplishing anything. You know, maybe you're just doing it for a check or whatever. But, you know, what's the purpose in this? That's probably one of the most frustrating things that people deal with. They're involved in something. They don't know why. They don't have any reason. They don't have any passion for it. They're just doing it. Well, hopefully that's not our attitude when it comes to the ministry. Hopefully we'll be steadfast. We'll be immovable. We'll always be abounding, it says, in the work of the Lord. That doesn't sound like it's like, oh, okay, humdrum, let's go to another Sunday. Let's No, abounding has the idea of some excitement in your life. Abounding has the idea of, of above and beyond what the norm is. And then it says, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. I mean, to be honest, sometimes it feels that way, doesn't it? Can it? You're in ministry and you're plugging along. Sometimes you just scratch your head and say, why why are we doing this? Why am I doing this? Because we don't see the results that we want to see. 
See, Paul prayed that the church would be able to perceive the will of God and the word of God. And he also prayed that they would be prosperous, not only in their walk, but in their work. And the last thing he prays for here is their power, for the power of God in their life. Look at verse 11. It says that you may be strengthened, that you may be built up, strengthened, it says, with all power. That's limitless power according to his glorious might. This isn't even power that you conjure up yourself. You know, there's a lot of positive thinking stuff going around or whatever. And you know what? Some of that stuff, frankly, it works. I mean, there's something to be said about telling yourself that, you know, yeah, I can do this, I can do that. That, you know, it gets your body geared up and you end up doing it. But you don't build your life on that. This power, it says, it comes from his glorious might. It comes from God. It goes back to that idea that you were saved. Right? That you're spirit-filled, that you're sanctified, that whole list of things that we went over. That can't come from within you. That's got to come from something without you. Colossians says that we need the power of God in and out of our lives, and also in our ministry. I think sometimes we do without it too long. We get in a rut. And when we do that, we don't do very well without it. When we do stuff in our own might, in our own power, in our own ideas, and all this stuff, you know, it just ends on a, a big pile of nothing. But when you know you're doing what God has called you to do, and you're doing it with all your might, and you're doing it by His power, we need God's power, first of all, to endure. He says, for all endurance and patience. Do you ever feel like quitting? Do you ever feel like just throwing in the towel and saying, you know what, this is ridiculous. I'm just going to stop. Maybe you've been praying for somebody to get saved. Maybe you're trying to reach out to that loved one. Maybe you're trying to rebuild a relationship. And it just ends up in a mess every time. You know what? Eventually, you're going to get to the point, you know, I just want to give up. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to extend my hand anymore just to get it bit off. But the Bible says here that through God's power, he'll give you the strength to endure. He'll give you patience. I mean, we need patience, right? Don't we need, I need patience. My wife tells me that all the time. So I know it's true. But we live in a society where we just don't have patience. Drove down to Costco the other day, pick up some goodies and just, you know, it was a mess. Parking lot was a mess. And I'm thinking, all right, I better start praying now for patience because I'm going to need it. And I remember pulling in that parking lot and there's cars backing out, pulling in, and just craziness. People with packages and those push carts and they're blocking people and people are honking horns. And, and I'm thinking, well, you know, I'm always, I kind of want to get up close to the door. You know, you want to look at that great, you know, that always, that's, that's a good thing when God opens up that parking spot right next to the door, you know. Oh, praise the Lord. Look at it. We must be living right, man. Look at what happened. And I thought, you know, I don't even want to go there today. I'm just going to go out here in the back 90s somewhere and park 
and I needed the exercise to walk anyway. So, and I went out there and I found, it was hard to find one even out there, believe it or not, but I found a parking spot I pulled in and just walked all the way into the parking lot. You know what? And God answered my prayer of patience. Because as I was standing in line, two people ahead of me, I got in the line that was the shortest one with the people with the less amount on their cards. You know, Costco, I mean, it can take a while to check out some of these people. I mean, they're buying, I don't know what they're buying for, but good night. But these two people had very little stuff. And I thought, great, I don't know why nobody else is standing in this line, but I'm getting in line, there's no, it's going to be closed, sign, nothing like that. I'm thinking, this is great. And, uh, and then I realized the line's not moving. And the checker's like, well, it'd just be a second, it'd just be a second. I'm like, okay. And here the poor lady, she got up there and she wanted a fried chicken or something, I don't know, some kind of chicken. And uh, she didn't have it in her cart. She was an older lady and he goes, you know what, we'll get you it. Hold on, hold on. And, you know, and everybody's like, oh, you're, you're kidding, right? You're going to go back and get the chicken? And, and uh, so sure enough, he sent one of his little hirelings back there and they're looking for another chicken. And he goes, oh, it, well, it won't take a long time. Don't worry. You know, he's kind of, you know, because people are getting kind of, there's a line behind me now. And they're scratching their head. What's, what's going on here? And um, the lady finally goes, you know, I don't want the chicken. Seriously, I don't want it. Just let, let me go. She's begging to be let go because these people are getting kind of rowdy behind her. And I remember, it wasn't me, by the way. I was standing there still in prayer. <laughs> but I remember this jacker, he was getting kind of nervous. And he goes, That's, I, I got it under control. Don't worry. And he takes a little thing and he goes out and he's looking he's looking at people's baskets i'm like what in the world is he doing he goes i found one he goes let me borrow your chicken (laughs) and the lady goes what and he scanned it and he goes i got it that's good okay you're good to go you just got to wait for him now everybody else can go through because i got to scan her chicken and they'll bring you yours you know but I, i remember sitting there thinking you know people are so impatient about things we need that endurance next thing is we need understand how to use God's power to give us that joy. We need to not only endure, but we need to enjoy what God wants us to do. I mean, what a prayer. Lord, help the Colossians to understand your will and your word. Help them to really prosper in their walk and in their work and give them the power not only to endure, but to also enjoy while they're enduring. I mean, what an incredible prayer. And I think that, that that should really be embraced by us as we begin this new year together. Um, some of you filled out those little cards last year, and I uh, mailed them back to you last week. Hopefully you got them. If you didn't, I don't know where they're at. But uh, I would ask you this year to be thinking about what God wants you to do, want, wants to do in your life. Maybe it's a different area of service. Maybe it um, concerns your family or your finances or whatever it might be, your spiritual, your spiritual walk with the Lord. Um, I pray that, that you will take that seriously and that you will really uh, uh, go before God and ask Him, God, I don't want to be sitting here a year from now saying, this, this is, I'm in the same spot I was. I want you to move on. I want you to grow in your walk with the Lord. Let's bow in a word of prayer before we have our communion time together and sing a couple songs. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we pray that as we gather here this morning, 
as we begin this new year. Lord, I, I pray that we would understand Paul's prayer for the Colossians. And Lord, that Lord, if we miss everything else, I pray that we would not miss the fact that, God, that you sent your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, in our place so that we could one day understand what forgiveness means, understand what healing means, understand what restoration means, that we would understand what true fellowship with you, what that means. It was one thing for Christ to be born. We just celebrated Christmas. We celebrated the time the Savior was born. But he was born to die. He wasn't just born to live. He was born to die. He was born to die on a cruel cross called Calvary for the sins of all those who would ever put their faith and hope in him. And I pray this morning, if there's any here who is yet to fully understand their relationship with God through Christ, that, Lord, that you would do that work in their heart. That, Father, you would show them that there's not a person in this room who hasn't sinned in some way, who hasn't done wrong in your eyes in some fashion. There's nobody perfect. And the only one that was died in our place, who is Christ. So we've all sinned. We all fall short of God's glory and we all need a Savior. I pray that you would turn to Him today. That you would stop trying to save yourself. That you would stop trying to live a religious life. That you would stop trying to think somehow you're going to clean yourself up. It's not going to happen. The Word of God says that our Righteous deeds are good acts. Outside of Christ, they're but filthy rags. He doesn't even want to see them. But when we come to Christ, our relationship with Him is restored because it was broken because of sin. And what a wonderful way to start off this new year in Christ, fully forgiven of all the sins in your life, everything you've ever done wrong, and ever will do, covered by the blood of Christ. Understanding that He has a will for you, and that it's been revealed to us. We don't have to guess about it. That each day we can wake up desiring to do His will, and live for Him in a way that's honoring, in a way that gives Him glory. Father, I pray that we would evaluate our own lives as believers now. Lord, if there's something hindering our worship of you, that we would confess it to you and allow it to come under the blood of Christ. Because this communion table is something not to be just taken lightly, but it's meant for those who personally understand and have that relationship with Christ. And we pray today that you would allow us to celebrate this time together as your body. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you for spending time with us here today on Graceful Truth, the ministry of Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. 
It's our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal His grace to your hearts through the teaching of His Word each week. And we trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. If not, we'd love to have you come and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m. We offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children up to grade five. And if you would like to encourage us here at Graceful Truth, please give us a call at Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. Our phone number is 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. We meet at 2225 Euclid Avenue here in Redwood City. Directions are on our website, gracefultruth.org, or again, simply call 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. And again, we'd love to have you join us for worship. Simply call for directions or go to our website, gracefultruth.org. While you're at our website, make sure to check out the resource materials available from us here at Graceful Truth, including past programs of Graceful Truth that you can download for free. Gracefultruth.org is where to go. If you're writing to us, our address is 2225 Euclid Avenue. That's 2225 Euclid Avenue. We're here in Redwood City. The zip code is 94061. And again, our phone number is 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. We thank you for spending time with us today and trust we'll see you next week at this same time for another broadcast of Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse.